Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 371 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? Oh, I am ready for this one today. I am ready to dive in to talk about our feelings about housework because I guess the show is all about our feelings, right? Um, If you haven't listened to last week's episode, last Tuesday's episode yet, 370, we did a week of real life housework where much like our week of real life dinners series, we just went through day by day for a week and talked about all the stuff we did in our houses that day. And a lot of that, of course, is cleaning, tidying, organizing, but some of it kind of fell under, it was a little more murky, like uh, pet care, um, picking plums and avocados for people who live in California. I don't know what that's like, but things like that, all the things that have to happen to keep a household running. And as we were, you know, every day checking in with, with each other to just kind of say, here's what I did today, just so we'd have a memory of it later for the, yeah. for the episode. At some point we're like, wow, is there a lot to unpack here? Cause it's not just what we do. It's like why we do it. And um, how we feel about it and, and the endlessness of it all and how it plays into partner dynamics. And I don't know, there's just a lot to unpack. There's a lot. I I really noticed, I'm going to get into this in more detail, but I really noticed some very, um, vulnerable, like comparison traps with other moms and other homemakers more than I often deal with, with parenting issues. Does that make sense? Like oh, I'm going to talk about this and other people are doing it better. Other people know how to do this more or like a lot of self doubt um, and a lot of mom comparison that I, I don't experience as much at this stage of motherhood, but the housework just must be my like Achilles heel in that regard. Well, I feel like, I mean, not to psychoanalyze you in real time on the show, um, but I will, but I will anyway. I think that you have always kind of had a little feeling of like, um, like not knowing, not feeling like you're really an expert in that realm and feeling 
kind of sheepish about it. And like episodes where we've talked about housework before you kind of feeling like, but I don't have anything really smart to add to that. And I think what I would say is just like, none of us know what we're doing. Like how, the number of professional like cleaners, yeah. just like parenting, but like there are very few of us are professionals at this. Most of us just have to keep our houses running and we're just doing what we have to do day to day. And maybe we like, maybe we got a few tips from our moms or out of a book or, you know, from our dads or like out of you know, some, from some relative or from TV. I mean, there's lots of little things we pick up along the way, but the sort of whole of that information that we gather is it's like so piecemeal. And in the yeah. end, it's, it is not a PhD. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully maybe this conversation will help you work through some of those feelings, Sarah. Well, thanks. I'm sure. Yeah. I will have more to say about my perceived inadequacies. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. <laughs> and I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so Sarah, the first theme that emerged is how, and this was, I think, the one thing that when I was actually writing down everything I was doing, 
there was so much repetition because as it turns out, taking care of a home is endless. It's constant. It's never ending. It never stops happening. And it reminds me, there's one quote back, you know, from my blogging days, all of the thousands and thousands of blog posts I put out there into the world. Um, there was, well, maybe only hundreds and hundreds, but anyway, there's one thing that still gets quoted back at me all the time. Like someone actually put it on, I don't know, like a, like an image someplace. And I just see it like accredited to me and I see it pop up again and again. And that is that, um, cleaning and organizing your house is a practice, not a project. And I think when that dawned on me, my kids were really little. I want to say Clara was probably a baby. And when I finally was like, oh, it doesn't matter how good I do or how hard I work or how much of this I do today, there will still be something to do tomorrow. And that like blew my mind when I figured it out in that moment, because it took so much pressure off. It's like, there, there will always be more to do tomorrow. That means guess what? I don't have to do everything today because it doesn't actually exist. There's no such thing as finishing. Right. And so once I knew that, I think for me, that just like took a lot of the pressure off and allowed me to just keep moving, like just keep moving. It doesn't mean not everything has to get done perfectly. Not everything has to even get done. Just keep making some progress. And I guess the update now that I will give you 13 years, probably after I said that 13 years later is that never stops being true. And that was also something I think then I thought, well, but one day, one day the kids will all be older and I'll get ahead. Um, I'll get, I'll get to a point where like, they won't be messing up the house as much or the messes will be smaller or, um, I'll have more time and it's all going to look great and it's going to get done. And that's not the case. I think uh, I made a comment to you while we were recording all of our uh, housekeeping and house cleaning efforts. And I said something like, it's not that my house is even like that much cleaner now. I mean, I'm working, I'm just still working as much as I can with the amount of time that I have. And some things are a little bit better than they were. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up about (laughs) this idea you had when your kids were tiny that eventually you'd get caught up because I actually have been thinking a lot about that as, as we were doing this. And I have a little story to tell the first, my first baby, I was going back to work in an office and we had a sitter hired for a couple of days a week. And she was an older lady and, um, older, older, like, I think she was pushing 70, late sixties. Um, she was wonderful. And she came into my house, I think once to meet the baby and we'd met her out at a park or something. But the first time she came over to watch the baby for the day, the baby slept a lot. Um, you know, it was like three months old. And, um, I came home and she was like, Oh, I don't normally, you know, I don't normally do housework. That's not part of the agreement, but she's like, I found your vacuum. I just, I kind of had to give the slip covers, the couch, a, a quick vacuum. We had two cats. No, we didn't have two cats. We had one cat and one dog at this point. And I, Megan, I was not a good housekeeper when I was early married. And I didn't like, I almost think I didn't see some things like pet right. hair. Like, um, that's pretty normal in your own space though. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of things in your own space. You just don't see because you're, you're used to, it's just like the wallpaper. It's you're just used to it. Yeah. And I think I was in the process of emerging from that 20 something definition of what it means to like have a roommate and like do your laundry. I mean, I did dishes and I did laundry. And if something was overly dirty or stinky, I cleaned it. But like, also I had a new baby. I was a new mom. And so she vacuumed my couch and she did not mean to make me feel bad. She really didn't. But I had this feeling where I was like, 
I didn't even know that I should. I didn't be. know people did that. I didn't know people did that. I knew vacuuming. I vacuumed the floors, but I didn't ever right. think like, oh, I'm going to like go to town on this upholstery because it's got a ton of cat hair or whatever. And she did it within an hour of walking into my house. And I felt really, I felt really sheepish. Now, 15, 14 years later, there are lots of things I see and tackle that I wouldn't have even seen. So I like, this is a long way of saying to your point, yes, time has freed up for me, but I also have a more 40 something sensibility of how I want my home. My standards are actually probably much higher than they were when Mm -hmm. I was 28. And so I didn't have, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I was an overwhelmed, busy, working new mom and parts of my house were probably pretty gross. Now, instead of like having those same standards and getting to put my feet up or whatever, I just, I just bustle around cleaning things in a different way because I've learned more. So to your point, it never stops. You, you might move the bar and, and there might be a time where I actually then care less about things again. And maybe I let something go again, but my experience has been that the more I learn and the more time that opens up, the more I find that I, that I want to take care of. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that's common. And in my twenties, I definitely, I mean, I got, I figured it out a little younger than you cause I had to, but I, I also was more like a, Oh, there's more to house cleaning than just, you know, the, the basics. And yeah. then once I started to kind of figure that out, I also sometimes would spend a lot of times on thing, a lot of time on things that now I probably just wouldn't prioritize as much because I was like flailing around like, mm-hmm. okay, so today's the day I'm going to clean the house. What am I going to do? I know I'm going to clean this like really obscure area of my house that I don't even go in these days. I probably wouldn't really bother with that. And, and another reason that I think it can, it might not have anything to do with like how much time you have or how old your kids are. And when my kids were little, I was in my house all the time and I really needed it to be functional on a certain level that now I can, you know, when I'm not actively parenting, I'm often just not even home. I'm off doing other things. So I'm not as concerned with every nook and cranny in my house as I might've been when I was truly just like at home all day with little kids and not going out and doing some. So, so like, I guess the point is it waxes and wanes and comes and goes, but it's not something where one day you're going to magically cross this finish line and have it all figured out. When you mentioned to the um, pet hair on the sofa thing, it made me think of my kind of next subtopic, which is that it takes time for you to figure out what's important to not just you, but also your partner. Um, and if you have a partner for whom something like pet hair on the sofa is a big deal, you'll figure it out faster yeah. because it'll become more evident. But there is going to be things that you will never really see eye to eye on. Like there's always going to be things that are more important to you than they are to Brian and vice versa. And that's also that tension's never really resolved. I think that people figure out how to deal with it better. Yeah. Um, it's like a marriage thing or a partnership thing, but it doesn't mean the, but the, you know, the disconnect doesn't go away. Like the fact that one person is cool leaving dishes in the sink all night and another one's not, for example, or one person um, needs to have like cords wrapped up neatly and another yeah. one doesn't care or whatever the thing, like the hangups we have or don't have, like that's kind of a preference that gets pretty, in like ingrained. Yeah. It doesn't just go away. And I'm not going to suddenly start caring just because somebody else cares. I might care for them uh-huh. or, or like desire to please them, but that's not the same as me being bothered by it. No. So, and that never goes away. Yeah. I don't think it does. And I, I have to look really hard at my own. If I'm starting to feel judgmental or critical, which 
is my tendency. I have to take a very hard look in the mirror and I'll give a specific example. Like I shared in last week's episode that I was really critical of my spouse's ability to just kind of like chill with the kids without also doing a bunch of dishes at the same time that like that frenetic multitasking that I think a lot of moms do. And really that resentment is not really about like, did the dishes get put away, but more about my inability to chill out sometimes. At the same time, my husband is very neat and tidy. And there are areas of our uh, house, I'm going to name bathroom counters for one, where it's like a joke. You and I have joked about how we can mess up a hotel bathroom real quick. If you walk into our bathroom, it's a two sink, like his and hers sinks. And it's like, um, what what would you even say? Not Jekyll and Hyde. Isn't there another like clean and messy? Like it's so oh, opposite. It's the odd couple. I can't Maybe, think of yeah. their names. But I mean, yes. not just tidy with items. So like toothbrush, one toothbrush in a little jar and like nothing on the counter, everything in a drawer, but also like in terms of actual cleanliness, like my sink has yeah. makeup and toothpaste and residue and I, my bottles are uncapped all over the counter. So like if I start to get if I start to get picky and I know that that comes from like underlying stuff that we you know, that we are always working on. But all I need to do is quickly be like, wait, now, hold on. Like, how many things do I do that are objectively are so much more slovenly or messy or, (laughs) you know, and so I think to your point, we can't care about we can't care the same as our partner does about the same things. And hopefully once we realize that it allows us to be a little bit compassionate. Like Brian really doesn't like when I leave a coffee stirring spoon next to the sink, but he doesn't like that. And then it doesn't bother him that there's like two years worth of dishes in the sink. I'm like, what is right. one more spoon? But now that I know that I just put it in the sink. You know, it, like right. for some reason it just bothers him and I can, I can take care of that. And you know, he can, you know, meet me halfway on something else. Right. Because it's like, we've talked about this before with the personality tests. And by the way, it's Oscar, it's Oscar and Felix is what I was trying to think of. Okay. That's from the odd couple, which was like, one's a slob. And anyway, that reference is probably way older than, well, it's older than me, uh, but still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the thing about, you know, it kind of how it relates to personality tests and things that we've talked about is it allows you to get past the, why can't they just like, why yes. can't they, like, why do they think that they just do like, it doesn't, why do I think what I think or feel what I feel? I don't know. I just do. And having empathy for that allows us to deal with what we see as inconsistencies, even though it's not. And we have them. I have things I'm super inconsistent about that to me make complete logical sense. Yeah. And so a big deal, a big part of that is just having that empathy. Like you just said, and going, okay, it doesn't really make sense in my brain, but I'm just going to take care of it for him. Cause I know it matters to him and, and he'll do the same for me. But, but the, the basic truth that he cares about something deeply that, or maybe it doesn't really care that deeply. Something annoys him that to you is just NBD. Like that won't ever really go away. It's never going to become a big deal to you. And he'll probably never stop being annoyed by it. It just, it is. I want to add one little, one little positive spin on this. If you are in like a cohabiting partnership, we have found this a really nice way to do things for each other that actually mean a lot. If you can reverse engineer the thing that, your partner just can't stand to do or like a task that they just, it just bugs them and take that on for them because it doesn't bother you or it's not particularly like gross or onerous to you. We have definitely done that. And it's kind of a sweet way to do something really small. Um, so like Brian does not, he hates folding socks. I do all the laundry. He does usually fold his own, 
but he found out one time that he hates matching and folding socks. So I just do it for him. And then it's like, it means more than just the folded socks because I know that he doesn't like to do it. So I guess it's more of the same, but you can use that in the, in the positive as well to like show a little act of service for somebody. I dream of a day when no one in my household has feet. (laughs) I just feel like if we didn't have shoes and socks to contend with, that would be like 20% of my housework would be eliminated. I don't know how we'd get through life. I mean, I'm not thinking it through all the way we'd fly, I guess, but you know what I mean? It's just, well, you could, the move, care and covering of feet is a thing. Could move to a warm weather climate. Cause I will tell you, we, it's not that we don't have socks. Of course, like most of us wear socks with our athletic sneakers. And then we do have a, a little bit of winter. But uh, when I moved from California to Chicago for college, I like brought all of my socks. And then I was like, oh, this is not enough socks. Like I don't have, because we wear flip-flops. We wear natives. We wear Burks. We wear Uggs without socks. Like we wear a lot of shoes without socks here in. Like the the ratio of socks to other clothes is stupid. And considering how small they are, it's, yeah. yeah. And then all the, well, I don't want to get all the different kinds of shoes one needs to, to cover all the seasons. Also clumpy and take up a lot of space. Different types of socks for different types of shoes. (laughs) I'm getting like, I'm having a little bit of like my, my shoulders are creeping up by my neck. Okay. So let's move on to the next theme. Cause I think this was another one that really emerged, um, as we were not just doing the housework, but taking the time to write down what we were doing is the stuff that we do without even knowing we're doing it. And I guess the, the really, the, if you're really going to zoom out, the theme is that we do more than we think we do. Even if you don't think you're someone who does a lot of housework or you feel like you're pretty laid back about it or that you don't spend that much time of your day, if you kind of redefine what housework is, and we'll talk more about that um, next, but also count all of it and track all of it, I think your mind will be blown. It reminds me of when people, well, anything that you track, right? Like people sometimes right. track their drinking or their eating. People track their social media use, their sleep. Um, the thing that is revealed, maybe not with sleep, maybe that's a bad example, but often what is revealed is how unconscious we are about some of these things that we're doing in and out every day. And I agree. I think um, especially if you spend a lot of time in your home and you have kind of gotten your feet under you in motherhood and home management. Like I talked about before, like I think in the beginning, I just didn't even know what I should be doing. And so I probably didn't do very much, but I had new babies. So I, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I also didn't have a lot of time now. It's just, yeah, there's just almost a constant hum in the background of like, Oh, I'm going to pick this box up and take it to the garage. Like, do you do the thing, Megan, where like, I never walk from one end of my house to the other without transporting something that belongs at that end ever, 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 never. Like I would never, never, never. never. And yeah. And I, I, um, I sort of alluded to this in last week's episode, but when I did the little thing where like I was leaving the house for a few days for a trip, so I knew that I was going to want to run my laundry twice. So I ran it once so that I could run it when I got back. I mean, the split second math happening in my head to anticipate and plan for that. And then like try to create efficiency around something and optimize it. Like, yeah, that's happening all the time. My brain is in that mode all the time. And when you were talking about being in your twenties and not being so good at that, it made me think about really how hard that transition is. Um, for young people who go from living in a house where someone else is doing the emotional labor of caring for a home. So I'll say teenagers, young adults, people 
who perhaps were partnered to someone who was good at that and they weren't really thinking about it ever. And then suddenly they have to think about it. Um, I think about my kids going off and starting their lives and just how hard it is when you're used to being, to only doing the thing you have to do and, or that someone told you to do, um, or that you have to do just to get through the day, but someone else is doing all the mental, the heavy lifting, the mental load of caring, planning, uh, anticipating all of those things. It's hard. Like I had a really hard time. I, I thought that I was just a sloppy, messy, terrible housekeeper for a few years after you know, setting up housekeeping. And it was just that I wasn't used to it yet. I didn't know how much could be done, how much there was to do the best ways to do it. It's like, it wasn't part of my, like I, it wasn't in my blood yet. I just didn't have it. And now I don't have to think about it. It just happens, which is not the same as being a perfect housekeeper. It just means I know how to stay on top without, like I can, I don't have to think about it so hard because it's just happening. It has become something you can, uh, like I said, can run in the background because you have absorbed all those systems all over the yeah. years. Um, and, it, and it reminds me of like when I was married and my spouse was the one who would remember to like have the oil changed in the car, say, or um, re- would remember to do updates on my computer or my phone. And then I went like two years and didn't do any of that stuff. Not because I'm a terrible person and irresponsible, but just because it had never been part of, like, I wasn't the one who cared about that. So I forgot I had to now care about it because no one else was going to remind me and no one was caring about it for me. So I think that is a mental shift that sometimes it can, there's a lot of dynamics wrapped up in that. Yeah. Well, and I think where we're circling around with this whole conversation is that if you purely isolate cleaning, it's very easy to make like cute Instagram reels and how to's and tips and tricks. And, um, back to like my own inadequacies. Like if you are just talking about cleaning, it's sort of a finite list of tasks that most homes will have. And most home managers will need to do on some sort of a, you know, recurring schedule. But I think what we have learned and what we're exploring is that running a home or co-running a home or even being a citizen who lives in a home (laughs) is like, I'm just picturing this like web of related tasks and mental load and emotional labor. I know those buzzwords keep coming up. That's where I think we're doing more than we think we are. Like I, I'm, when we say we're doing more than we think and that it's never ending, like, I don't want anybody to think like you and I both know we're not doing backbreaking manual labor, scrubbing our tubs and toilets. Like Constantly. It's more that I think at least this exercise really broadened how I think about what it means to manage a home and housework is related to home management, is related to family life management, is related to like adulting. Like it's all, it's sort of just these concentric circles, I guess. And the more than we realize to me is less about like the actual scrubbing and more about how interrelated these adulting (laughs) circles are. Well, let's take the socks as an example, because socks, you know, I've already shared the vein of my existence. And um, if I put a pile of socks on the on the couch and I say, hey, everyone, come grab your socks and take them to your rooms, which I do. And no one ever seems to listen to me until I say it like seven times. But let's say they don't take the socks and the socks sit there and they get knocked off the couch and then they get covered in pet hair. Now I have a mess to clean up. Now it's not just people didn't take their socks. Now there's like because the, the 
because of the neglect of the sock situation, it's now become a chore that someone has to pick these socks up off the ground. So it's like everything. And like, I would never say take your socks to your room is cleaning exactly. It's just the thing you do because it's stuff that belongs to you. But that if you don't do it, has this like trickle down effect where, or like, I don't even, that's not even the right word, but it, it, it can snowball into something else that then snowballs into something else. So you're right. It is a web. Everything is interrelated. And that's why we're all like part of this interrelated web. Yeah. Well, and in the second half of this episode, we are going to talk about how clutter mess and the state of the house can, can relate to like how mom feels about life. Um, and, and so I like picturing that sock pile and then the, the related drain on your finite (laughs) mood resources is also a real thing. Maybe not with one pile of socks, but maybe if you, if you a hundredfold that, um, then it really can start to affect our like ability to, I don't know, deal with life. Yeah. Because I think that, uh, chicken and egg thing can also be a big part of the conversation. Um, well, I do want to circle back to with last week, you know, I shared that I had professional cleaners come to my house on the first day of tracking our real life housework, which I fully admit I felt a little weird about. Like, let's track how much we clean our houses for a week. And then someone else is cleaning my house on the first day. Um, I think it's something that people avoid talking about. And yet I think that I have seen some very productive conversations about just how we all use our time and resources um, and we all approach home management differently. And I, I think I'm here for the conversation where everybody gets to do what works for them. I have had times where I have no professional cleaning help. I've had uh, as frequently as every four weeks, um, which was nice, but also sometimes stressed me out. I'm not going to lie. And now it's more like every other month. And that feels actually a little bit better because I can plan for it and I can do my own thing in between. And Megan, I was remembering that you once had a blog post where you talked about hiring someone to come help with some cleaning tasks and you got a, a bunch of blowback. So maybe we can just like talk about this a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so this is obviously a very loaded topic. And um, I also have had long stretches of time where I haven't had any help at all. And then some stretches of time where I've had quite a lot, actually, like for a little while, I had someone coming weekly. That was way too much. And I scaled back Um, for me, like every other week seems to be kind of the sweet spot. Um, But now it's been something like almost a year and I haven't had somebody come at all. And what I just noticed is I do. I still clean just as much when there's not a cleaner coming, I just do different things. And I, and the house just isn't as clean. Like it's not like my, so even if I had a cleaner coming, maybe if they came every single day, that would be different. Um, but I was still doing all of those things. I was still scrubbing toilets. I think I would just not do things like mop the kitchen floor because I would have only done that once every couple of weeks anyway, let's be honest. But I still, I might still like quickly do like a wet, uh, like a, like a damp mop on it, I, you know, cause it's still going to get yeah. sticky and crummy and things like that. So when I wrote about it, oh my gosh, it was at least 10 years ago. I ha- I remember that I had a book deadline. I was writing a book and things were really gnarly. And I had this woman come, she was great. She was actually much more highly educated than me, which was kind of funny to me that people thought I was like elitist. Um, and she was working her way to get her PhD. So she was paying for herself to go to college and get her PhD. By the way, I still know her and 
I run into her at church every now and then. She's great. And she did get her PhD, but she, um, would come clean like every couple of weeks. And I mentioned it on my blog and I don't even remember why I mentioned it. It was like an offhand thing. And I did, I did have like a troll back then who was kind of just liked to jump on things. And, um, I knew that person was a troll. I had my own personal troll, but one of my longtime readers who I had always really liked said something like, I just think of you differently now. Like it was actually very hurtful because I was like, well, wait though. I mean, she thought that I was presenting myself to be someone that I was not. And I remember having all of these justifications for like, yeah, but like, I don't treat my, and then it turned into this big, like a debate over whether it's even ethical to have house cleaners. And that just became like a big thing. And I, and I felt like I had to defend myself. Like, but I'm, but this person is like, when you, I'm just paying her so that I can do my work. We're both making money. And like, we're both, you know, small businesses. And like, I, we're, there's not like a class divide here. That is not the case. And, uh, also I have five little kids and I have a book deadline. So I remember feeling like I had to really defend myself. And at the end of the day, it was not really about me. And it really, it was about how people feel about themselves. And it was about how people feel about their own homes and their own contributions in their homes. And I think when I finally saw, like when I saw that the arguments were coming from a million different directions, I realized how much it was not about whether Megan Francis can clean her own house or not, or is a snob or not, or, you know, or gets to like have a motherhood blog. Like you don't get to give advice about time management (laughs) and parenting because you now are in this echelon of people who has quote unquote help. That was like, and the funny thing is I was like, that's really smart time management for me because I can't do everything. And it's important to me to have my house at least at a certain standard of cleanliness, which makes it so that I can do my work and I'm trying to build my career. It's not like I'm just like lying around, you know, eating bonbons or whatever the old um, cliche was. So anyway, I felt very defensive until I didn't. And I think I just decided at that moment, like I can't win. There's no way for me to win. If I did literally everything myself, like baked all my own bread from scratch, uh, like all of the things we hire out one way or the other, whether we think of going to the store to buy groceries as outsourcing or not, we, we are outsourcing because I didn't grow that stuff myself. So (laughs) it's like, we get to pick and choose. And if, if people have a problem with that, it's not really about us. Um, and it also has it has zero reflection on whether I can do tasks because I've got I go long periods of time where I do everything, whether I'm good at a task, some I am good at and some I'm not. But whether I have a cleaner or not has nothing to do with like that doesn't that's not the thing that determines my worth right. as a home manager, as a mom, any of those things. So, yeah, all that was just a really long winded way of saying. I guess I see why, where the sheepishness comes from. And yet the fact that you had house cleaners come on that day doesn't really change anything about the fact that you still did housework every single day, including that day. Like it didn't yeah. go away, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's true. And I think the reason I wanted to bring it up again is I like started this episode talking about how I, this topic brings up more comparison for me personally than Um, I think some parenting topics that are triggers for other people when it comes to like how other people are doing discipline or where their kids go to school or whatever, for whatever reason, this is one of mine. And it's not just about whether you can do it all yourself or do do it all yourself, but also this idea that um, other people 
have it figured out. And I think that is the lesson that we're all learning. And I don't just mean figure it out like just with cleaning, but also like how how tidy does your house need to be for you to feel happy and settled? Um, how much delegating should you and can you do with your kids? Like I am just I have not figured all this out. Um, and so maybe just by sharing that this is one area where I can feel pretty inadequate. And part of the inadequate is like, oh, gosh, I'm not very good at keeping up myself. And I even have professional cleaning help. So that makes me even more inadequate, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, just just kind of worth discussing. You know, I think where I have sort of reframed it for myself and I haven't dealt exactly with the don't have the systems figured out inadequacy feelings, but definitely there's been times in my life where I was like, why can't like other people do it all like other people get it all done. Like, do they know something I don't, or should I be working harder? And I guess the, where I've landed is if I'm trying every day, if I'm putting an effort, effort every day, staying in motion and doing the amount of housework that feels reasonable to wherever I'm at in life, mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And some days that mean or like some seasons of life, that means my house is kind of messy and some seasons it looks pretty great. And I'm like, feel pretty on top of it. But as long as I'm just doing my best, yeah. it, that's all I can do anyway. Like there's no figuring it out beyond that. Right. So this is the only thing I have control over. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. 
They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, Sarah. So before we kind of get into this bigger conversation about that tie between, you know, us having the energy and um, skills and all those things to put into running the home and then how like having the home functional makes us feel like we have more time. There's like that delicate dance, right? I want to talk a little bit about the job of running a home versus the job of motherhood, because I feel like those two things get conflated an awful lot. Um, job is I, in air quotes in our outline, I feel like yes, I should mention. Job is in air quotes. I think a lot of times moms think that being a mom and running a household are the same job. And I don't even really like to think of having kids as a job at all, because I feel like that makes something that is a relationship into a checklist, which I don't love that. I don't like that sense for myself, which isn't to say I don't think it's a very important job. Those are two that, you know, right. like, it's not to take I want away to be really the clear. Value, the value, you're not right. devaluing it. Um, I think you've just always said to you, it's a relationship, not a job. Yeah. Which makes it kind of elevates it, honestly, beyond a job. Like a job is something I could do, or I could hire someone else to do. A job is something I could um, decide. I could triage it. I could say like, right now, it's not very important to me that um, my kitchen is very clean, but I wouldn't say right now, it's not very important to me that my kids needs get met. Like, it's kind of like that has to happen regardless <laughs> of what is happening elsewhere in my life. So I just look at it differently. And also with motherhood, if we look at it like a job, then, then it's really easy to wonder like, where's the paycheck and how come no one's giving me any performance reviews and how come no one's telling me I'm doing a good job. And then I feel like there, that conflates things too. So all that's just my personal feeling. And I know there are people who really like looking at being a mom as a profession. And I could totally respect that. Mm -hmm. But I think we then have to still be clear about the fact that like keeping the dishes done is a different job yep. that maybe doesn't have to be your job just because you're a mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oof, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Um, I also think this is a good time to just address the fact that if you're if you're currently not employed outside the home at all, uh, there is sometimes added pressure. And the reason I say currently and right now is whenever we talk about working motherhood and stay at home motherhood, like we, we like to remind people that very few mothers have the same career situation from the time their first baby is born until the last kid is, say, out of the house. It's just I almost don't know anybody for whom that is true. So I prefer to look at this as not an like a total identity, but like a season of life thing. If you are in a season of life where you are not um, having a traditional paycheck at all, and so you identify as a stay-at-home mom, that's where, Megan, I think then this idea of mm, self-worth coming from the tasks that are performed inside the home, as well as the kids being well-behaved and clean and on a sleep yeah. schedule, can get really, 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 really tricky. But to your point, I think there are so many different ways that stay-at-home motherhood can look that it's very tricky and it gets a little bit dangerous to me to start to then assign household duties 
to a fully stay at home mom as if that is like that's the way she is going to most productively fill her time. Yes. Um, that I I'm not saying that it doesn't work for some people, for some people who get a lot of fulfillment out of keeping a home and for whom, as we're going to talk about, like their mental state really like is um, coincides with how their home is, then that might work really great. But I also think it's totally okay to be a stay at home mom who realizes that the, like that the job of running a home is also like not the replacement for the job you would be doing out in the world. That's where it feels tricky to me. It feels overly simplistic. And like, it, it's not fair to anyone. It's not fair to moms who are staying home with kids right now. It's not fair to moms who are going out, earning a paycheck and coming home and having those same like household tasks. It just doesn't leave enough room for conversations about like, what is going on inside your four walls? What are the resources you are able to tap into for everyone to live in a, a home that runs smoothly and is reasonably clean? Like, let's blow the whole thing up and put it back together in a way that makes sense for this family rather than being like, oh, great, you're not the primary paycheck earner. So here's your daily list of tasks. That's where I start to yeah. get a little squirmy. I don't know if I said that right. I, I totally agree. And thank you for putting that into words because I think, you know, it can start to feel dismissive to say like, well, you know, in my mind, (laughs) the way I look at it, being home with your kids isn't a job. And what I mean by that is like it, uh, it's a, it is a job that you get to decide what it looks like. Like it's work, it's work, it's hard work. It's going to, also depend a lot on your family's priorities. So you and your partner, if you have one, might decide that home-cooked meals are really important to all of you or to the two of you as a couple. They're probably not that important to your kids, frankly. Um, (laughs) Or like saving money is really important or the kids being really involved in extracurriculars is really important or whatever. Like you've got your priorities. Everyone's got them. Um, And then the job is going to be, is going to really depend on like what those priorities are, how old your kids are, uh, what else you might have going on. And so there's just so many things that go into it. It's not so cut and dried. It's not Instagrammable, really. It's not a chore chart. It's not a chore chart for moms, (laughs) you know, like, um, or a checklist for moms like that. If that's that, like, if that's your job as a mom, to me, it almost devalues what the actual workload is. And I would say that for moms who work inside and outside the home, because like you said, if you go to work all day and then get home and there's still a house to clean, um, is that now your second job? Yeah. Because someone has to do it. You know, when we look at it that way, it makes it very complicated. Yeah. And I I would say that um, sometimes it skips over some really difficult but important conversations that happen at the partnership level about, job sharing about worth, about, um, needs and value. Um, and I think if we were all living in 1955, then maybe it wouldn't be a conversation. Like it just would be like, if you were at home, this would be society's expectations would be that you would keep the home and the kids up to this standard, but we don't live like that anymore. And I think Um, sometimes we skip over some of the partnership and relationship conversations that are really much more about, like you said, values, priorities, how people feel in a relationship and in the role of running a home. And those are some meaty, good conversations to have. And I think if it's 
just a matter of who's spending more time in the home and who's who is earning the paycheck, we might skip some opportunities there. And it's not easy. It is not easy in 2022 to have those conversations because it is not 1955 anymore or even 1978. Well, and I also feel like, um, and, and I feel like we could go on and on about this all day. So I'll, I'll attempt to put a little bit of a loose bow around my own thoughts on this, but it also sometimes doesn't help when we get fed sort of patronizing ideas on the other end. And I'm thinking of that poem that gets shared every now and then oh. about how, <laughs> you know what I'm I talking hate them about? All. There's, a, there's some new ones going around on reels oh. that I, oh. like, I need to make a reaction video to or something. Um, Yes. So the one I'm you, thinking you, of is I about letting the about. dust pile up because babies won't keep. Uh-huh. I'm rocking my baby and babies won't keep. And it's a sweet, it's a sweet poem. It probably was written like in a time when women really were expected to maintain immaculate homes um, and not do much else. And so I get like, I understand the time from whence it came and the sentiment is lovely. However, you know, Sometimes I just wanted to put my baby down and clean the house so that I wasn't living in a pigsty. And there's got it like it's it. There's something very condescending to be told that like your surroundings, the place you literally live your whole life. If you're with your kids home all day, either working from home, which a lot of moms are doing now or or as a full time stay at home mom, um, there's something very like just condescending and mean to me about saying your surroundings don't matter because they're just for you. And the baby is the only thing like that needs to be rocked right now is the only thing that could possibly ever matter. And yes, babies don't keep, they grow up. I mean, that's true. Um, but you also need to like be okay with your surroundings too and keep up with yourself. Yeah. And I think the reason I I had like an outsized reaction, I think they're like you said, the sentiments are lovely. And I think they're meant to give moms a pass on maybe letting yourself off the hook a bit with housework. However, I think the slightly more sinister side, and maybe I'm just extra sensitive to this, is I also think they heap a huge dose of pressure on moms that we are the ones responsible for how our kids come out and that these precious early years are like make or break it. And if they're not like, you know, having free play and Montessori toys and no screens and organic vegetables, like that, that is the, the most worthy work we can be doing. And now that is the thing by which now we that's must the job. measure ourselves. Right. And now that's the job. And by the way, you have to do it perfectly, but there's no help. So you can't outsource. And it. also your house, all all, you. your, your house also should be neat though too. It's like, and that's right. like the subtext too. It's like, I mean, don't actually spend the time to do the housework because you should focus all your time on your kids, but, but also don't live in a gross house. Right. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do ew. that. And also don't get help because double you. So it's just like, there's a, there's a no win uh-huh. When we look at it through those lenses, there's like no way for mom to win. And I think that's the, that was like a really long winded way for us to get back to the whole point. Whereas you might find satisfaction in different parts of the quote job of being a mom or the quote job of running a household, but you don't have to make those two things. Mm, I don't know. They're a not job. the same. They're not um, the same. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to use that to briefly talk about our contributor. Stacy has a lovely essay up on the blog this week where she actually talks about finding so much more simplicity and fulfillment in the household tasks because parenting is never ending. And that's yeah. I, I thought that was a really great um, way to talk about these two like quote unquote jobs is especially as kids get older and she talks about like 
her kids getting older and some of the parenting topics getting like harder and like they don't have a they don't fit neatly into a box. It's not like great. Like now you're sleep trained. Great. Now you're potty trained. It gets a little trickier as we've discussed. Bigger kids, bigger problems. Um, And Stacy's a beautiful writer. And she just reflects on the fact that at least with housework, there is a moment where like there are clean sheets on all the beds and yep. a moment where the floor is swept. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's lovely. I will link to it in the show notes. Um, but it is true that neither one is really never ending, but certainly there are some parenting challenges that are kind of a lot gnarlier than how dirty your kitchen floors are. So I relate to that. Well, now that we've danced around this whole, I don't know, topic of like what the importance of the surroundings, um, in our mental state yet the importance of our mental state to make the surroundings, what we need them to be and not just mental state, but time, energy, all of those things. Like we can't solve that for anyone because we can't solve it for ourselves. But I guess I would just say, let's just talk about that. Like there is this tie for me. And I know a lot of people between my house being in a state of, okay, I'm just going to say a state of okayness. And me being in a state of okayness, like me being reasonably productive, feeling okay in my home, um, not feeling like I'm in this dark, dank dungeon with crumbs on the floor. So that's important to me that it's functional and reasonably clean. But to get it functional and reasonably clean requires me to be in a good place. And like it's a circle. And we were talking about um, housekeeping earlier and I was thinking or or hiring house cleaners. And I was thinking about how there have been times in my life when life was so hard that hiring help or asking for help, even not paying for it, but just getting help, sourcing help in some way. Sometimes you just asking your partner for it or delegating to your kids was more work than I could even do. Like, I just want to acknowledge that again. I can't solve that, but it is a thing. It is a thing. And it's another one of those things that we tend to look outward Uh, to what other people are doing to see if maybe we can apply that to our own lives. And I think that gets really tricky. So we might look at someone who's got really neatly labeled toy bins that look really nice and keeps a really, really spotless kitchen and think, well, she's got her life together. So therefore my ticket to feeling like I've got my life together, if I currently don't, must be to have better organizational uh, systems at home. And we had a listener in the Facebook community recently just ask, um, she said, Mary, she said, does anyone feel like they would enjoy parenthood more if they had better organizational systems in place? Um, And both you and I read that and we're like, oh, no, but also maybe yes. Like, it's really hard to know that for someone else. Like, I think satisfaction in parenthood and in life probably doesn't come from neatly labeled bins. And I'm not suggesting that that's what Mary thinks. But at the same time, Gretchen Rubin always says outer order, inner calm, right? Like there is a degree to which our environment can support our mood. So yeah, I think I, I try to approach it from a very internal place. And I'll go back to like the way my bathroom counter looks. That is not a priority to me. I don't see my bathroom counter and my toothpaste encrusted sink basin and think, oh my gosh, I got to get my life together. Like things are out of control. But I might walk into another room and see a bunch of boxes that haven't been taken out to the garage or a bunch of, and think, oh my gosh, I got to get my life in, under control. So it has to come from, I can't explain it. I don't know why certain things 
feel like a little, you know, like the indicator light on your car, like certain mm-hmm. household things feel like an indicator light of how I'm doing elsewhere in my life, but others don't. And so I could never take someone else's systems or someone else's priorities and then use those to map out a satisfied motherhood life. Does that, yeah. does that, did that even well, like begin to crack this? I, I think it, be, it began to, cra- it, it broke it open, but it hasn't put it back together yet, but no. I'm not gonna be able to do that either. I'm just like <laughs> sweeping up pieces. It's like socks are spilling out of it. Um, it's just endless socks that sort of look the same, but none of them actually match. And so it'll take me for the rest of my life to yeah. try to put them together. Okay. So just to kind of build on what you're saying here, I think that when, so, um, the example Mary used was having like her kid's playroom and having it more organized and needing a system. And I remember that feeling. Like I remember having that exact feeling about my kid's playrooms and play spaces when they were really little and thinking there's just a code here. And if I can crack that code, then everything is going to like fall into place. And I think on a micro level, Little changes can give you a boost, a shot in the arm, a little bit of satisfaction. Like it all, it can, like lots of little micro changes can add up to things running more smoothly, which can lead to maybe a a smoother morning that you feel really good about and you build some confidence on that. And yes, absolutely for 100%. But at some point that system's not going to work anymore or there you're going to notice a different system that's not working. And so it's like the, the danger is thinking like there's one thing you can change that's going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than saying taking ownership of this is going to feel like a win for me. Like maybe I'm going to get half an hour of my kids playing quietly and that's going to feel really good. And that's going to allow me to use that time to do this thing. You know what I mean? Like it's going to, it all builds on everything else, but you have to stay in motion with it. And I guess where I've landed for myself. And I do think of like, for me, the indicator light would not be a specific, I think this is very personal. So for you, Sarah, it's the boxes or whatever could be the indicator light. For me, it's never a specific room that looks a specific way or a thing that's not getting done. For me, it's all the effort I'm putting in. And if I'm not putting in the effort, there's a reason for that. And that's my indicator light. It's kind of like how when I'm working out, I stop thinking about how my body looks. Yeah. Because I'm working out. I don't think it looks better necessarily, but I don't worry about it because I'm doing the thing. You're showing up. I'm showing up. If I stop showing up, then I'm like, everything is a mess and what's going on. And my pants don't fit. Like they probably also didn't fit the day before, but I didn't notice because all I noticed was the effort I was putting in. So for me, that's how that works. And that might not be the case for, well, I'm sure that's not the case for a lot of people, but just staying in motion makes me feel better. Even if the result in the end is more or less the same. Right. So what I think we're saying is that a chaotic or messy or perceived to be out of control house can both be a symptom of mom mm, lacking some purpose or satisfaction or maybe going through a mental health thing or something. So it can be a symptom of that and it can be a cause and Mm -hmm. un (laughs) and unpacking which it is, is really tricky. And I'm going to add one more thing. It is very seasonal for a lot of people. I, when I look back at photos or if I open time hop or I was just thinking today I was in our front room and um, I did a lot of thrifting and I got all these antique or garage sale and thrifted frames and I did a big gallery wall 
I don't remember when it was, but it was over a year into living in this house. And I remember feeling so like frustrated with myself that I couldn't pull this room together. And then I finally did. And then I realized that there's a time of year. I want to say it's August, um, like after summer vacations and kind of when I'm on the cusp of kids going back to school, when I just get this huge flurry of house energy. And I know I'm talking about decorating and not cleaning, but I think any type of home management whether you're talking about going through the hand-me-down bins and getting on top of all those like outgrown clothes or like switching out the seasonal clothes or taking all your silverware out of the drawer and like um, rubbing. I was just looking today at the forks and like they're kind of clean, but like I just want to just really clean them all. Yeah, right. So if we if we can grant ourselves permission to do those things according to seasonal energy swings, um, and tune into whether the chaos is a symptom or a cause. And sometimes it's both. And sometimes it goes back and forth. I just think we can kind of let go of this idea that it's got to be on a checklist. It's got to be, um, or that the checklist will make you happy either one. Well, yes. I mean, I I guess, is that, is that our way of saying like, this is highly personal and, um, and will continue to change. Like that's kind of what it is. Like it's personal. It will continue to change for me. The place of coming to terms. I do feel like I have come to terms with who I am as a home manager and I'm pretty happy with myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that like, I'm pretty happy with, I'm pre- I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty big deal. It's more like <laughs> I can just look around my house and say, Oh yeah, like it's a little bit of a mess right now, but I've got 25 years almost of being yeah. a mom under my belt. So of course it's going to like, I have the experience now to know that right now this room is a little bit of a disaster and in a month, it'll be a different room yes. and that's never going to go away. And that even when I'm an empty duster and all of my kids are out of the house, something will be in my house, probably my cat, uh, making, or maybe a spouse at some point or a nephew that's moved back in. Who knows? It's going to be something, something is going to be creating messes that I'm going to be dealing with. And that is like life. And there's some peace that I found in that and how I engage with that. Yeah. And I, it's taken a long time. I so. think those are the wise words to wrap up on. Um, I hope so. It just sounded a little bit fatalistic. I think like you have to do this for 25 years before you can figure out how about this? Learn, <laughs> like, don't wait, just, you know, start working towards accepting yourself right now, wherever yeah. you are. Maybe those are the wise words. I think those no. are definitely the wise words that could almost be the end of any episode. Um, well, this was really fascinating. I thought I would love if anybody has another idea for a week of real life, fill in the blank. It would be very different. What we've realized is doing this was totally different than a week of real life dinners. Like even though the construct was the same, the conversation was totally different. Um, I've thought of a week of real life fitness or I don't know. Fitness is not the right word, but like a week of real life, moving your body, maybe Yeah, Um, Yeah. a week of real life. Self-care would be interesting. A week of real life creativity or I don't know. There's a lot. So I would love if people have ideas for that. Just drop them in the Facebook group or on Instagram, or you can always email us hello at the momhour.com. Uh, Megan, we will not be talking to everyone for a whole week until next wow. Tuesday. And there is a That's holiday funny. weekend in between. So if you are traveling or celebrating the 4th of July or get a few days off of work, whatever you are doing. Um, I hope it's enjoyable. And Megan, we will talk to everybody a week from today. Yeah. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. 
Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. 